Good morning, good afternoon, good night. It's Xavi. If you know me, I'm happy you're here. If you don't, I converted a moving truck into a tiny home amidst the pandemic, gave up my place, and hit the road. Starting in Vancouver, I drove to Miami and realized that there was too much adventure not to share. So to fill you in on my journey, the Play On Foundation presents the Two Degrees Podcast. Why two degrees? Because I'm now a snowbird and escaping two degree weather. I built the truck wrong and the majority of the weight is on the passenger side, so we're tilted at two degrees. But also, I'm going to catch up with industry professionals who I'm glad to call friends and bring you two degrees of separation away from them and what they do. So, welcome to the Two Degrees Podcast, brought to you by the Playon Foundation for Neurological Research and Brain Aneurysm Detection and Prevention. To learn more about the Playon Foundation, check out www.letsplayon.org. But for now, enjoy the show. But first, a quick word. Do you like mangoes? <laughs> of course you do. And if you don't, well, I'm sure there's a high chance you might know someone who does. Well, the Two Degrees Podcast is sponsored by Peeled Fruit. No, not just random fruit that's been peeled, but the children's book about a mother's love language of peeling mango for her baby. Available for delivery on bookbaby.com, bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, and Amazon, just to name a few of the retailers. It even ships worldwide. Check out at Peeled Fruit Book on Instagram for more information on how to get your copy of this heartwarming story. Peeled Fruit, illustrated by Rhoda Domingo. Hey everybody, welcome to the Two Degrees Podcast, brought to you by the Play On Foundation. And today's guest, guests, is this is going to be a podcast first because we typically just go one-on-one with somebody and I bring you two degrees closer to somebody but my guest is going to bring me two degrees closer to someone on her end. So my guest is definitely the reason why May did so well in the <laughs> Emmy. Obviously, like all of the award shows because her role is so pivotal. But um, <laughs> Jesse Liang. Hi, Jesse. How's it going? It's going fine on my end. Tell me, who is your (laughs) guest today? My guest is the Royal Highness. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My best friend, uh, also known as Didi LaCraze in drag. Um, Also podcast host, co-host that we hosted. I've been thinking for a couple of episodes or a handful, like six months of it. (laughs) Um, Jared Steven me. So not only are we doing something out of the ordinary by having another person within this, but we're also going to smoke up and we've been doing that so far. So because my computer decided to start on this, I'm excited for this. So uh, (laughs) I took an edible before I left. So mine's already kicked in. So I'm ready. (laughs) You're ready. Amazing. (laughs) Well, let's start with how's the day? How's everything going? Uh, oh, Drew's been having a day today. She's had a great day. Had I've had day. not such a great day. <laughs> what made yeah. what made your day not so great, Jared? Uh, I was shortlisted for a film 
with a company I will not name. <laughs> uh, and Does I was, it rhyme with Netflix? No, actually, okay. it doesn't. It rhymes with um, Poshmark. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> you, you know those In fact, very close. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was shortlisted for a, for a principal role in a film and it would have been the best. And I found out today that I didn't get it. So mm. that started my day. And I was like, no, I was like banking on this. It would have been my first booking in quite some time and yeah. a principal role. Mm. And we were all just like, if I'm shortlisted for this, it's got, I got to get it. I didn't get it. I was like, come on, it's Aries season. <laughs> and it's my birthday on Saturday. Yeah. What? This Should have been a universe's yeah. uh, birthday gift, but yeah. no. No. That's Watch, though. What I will book is, is the thing that I did yesterday where I had to go and let them take pictures of my dad bought. <laughs> hey, but commercials pay better. It's true. It's true. I literally had to just go in yesterday and take off my shirt and let them take pictures of me. And I was like, Good thing I just finished watching Lizzo's Big Girls because I'm feeling a little bit more confident about my body. Now. <laughs> well, even with that, like dad bods are in. I don't know about you. I know, apparently. They are. Dad bods. In the industry, dad jokes. Dad bods, yeah. Dad jokes have always yeah. been Yeah. I literally had to go in and select which body type I fit the best. And I was like, well, if I select that dad bod, I don't got to suck in or anything, at least. <laughs> I just going to show up and be me. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, because because you're, you feel a little gutted on not landing this, Um, I guess whoever wants to go first or whoever wants to think more on it. But within our industry, we suffers so much rejection so what keeps you guys going what is what is the the strength and driving force that will keep you in the industry regardless of Poshmark casting you or not <laughs> well they did respond and they said um we do want you to know that you were very close and we really like the work that you're doing and so, you know, I gave myself okay. a bit of time to feel bad about it and to be upset about it. And then I just was like, whatever. That was the second time that's happened with the same company. Yeah. And third time will be the charm. And so I allowed myself to feel it for a bit. And now the edibles kicked in. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what the edibles are for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just, you know, get yeah. sad about it if you want. And then you move on to the next. My mom yeah. gets more sad than I do. So. Yeah. <laughs> What's, she what's doesn't get the, it. What's the drive though? Like, so how, how do you, or I guess, how have you learned to cope with the rejection so you can go on and face another day? I just don't take it personally, mm -hmm. you know, like I know for a fact that this, that I did a good job on this audition in particular, yeah. and it probably has something to do with what I look like with the rest of the people that have been casted how the group looks or, you know, somebody else did one other offer that was different and they liked that. I just know that it's not personal. And, you know, sometimes you can take it personally, but then, like I said, you just brush it off and move on to the next. Did you always yeah. know not to take it personally or was Oh God, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that was a journey. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you? yeah. Well, I like to reframe the concept of rejection. To me, it doesn't feel like rejection. It just feels like, you know, we have to, as actors and just anyone in the industry, whatever it is that you're doing, if it's a commercial or a play or whatever, it's about what is best for the project and not necessarily who is the best. Yeah. Um, 
yeah so it's not like it's i feel like it's not necessarily a competition the only competition is you with yourself and so if you know that you went in and had a good audition and you didn't leave anything on the table then that's all you had to do and i don't see it so much as rejection i just see as as like i if i am not the best person for this project then that's what is best for the project and so it has nothing to do with me um but i mean obviously it's hard when there's a role that you really wanted Mm -hmm. or if you haven't booked something in a while and you're feeling a little bit insecure then definitely (laughs) jared just raised his hands for people who are listening (laughs) yeah so if you're you know if if you're going kind of through a dry spell for sure it can be so heartbreaking um especially when you know that you were close like if you were shortlisted for something last year i think i was shortlisted for six commercials and they all let me go and i was oh, just wow. like what is and i hadn't booked anything in over six months and i was like what is happening like i can't even book a stupid commercial where it's not even about your skills it's literally about what you look like yeah um but yeah it's just one of those things like you just have to keep working on you and- well and then there's like i mean we both because we are graduates of studio 58 and mm-hmm. i'm really grateful for that training because they teach you a variety of different things so that when you're not working in one field, you can be working in the other. Mm -hmm. So like right now I'm not really booking film and TV. So I'm getting back out and auditioning for theater because that's opening up again. And I'm, I've returned to doing drag. I had my first drag show a couple weeks ago in two years. And like, I get the, but I was out of town. Tell me about that. Oh yeah. (laughs) I get the exact same feeling from, from doing a drag show that I would with like booking a part because it Mm. just, it's that same it's it's just another form of artistic expression that that gives you that feeling and and yeah. it's even more so i think with drag because you're literally performing for a live audience you really don't get like to see what you've done or to understand what you've done in film until you really watch the product back like a year later maybe mm. whereas like i walked away with 130 dollars cash i knew how i did <laughs> yeah it was it was awesome i mean i'd done a few things in the pandemic like online i also did a short film in drag which was my first time acting in drag that was a fun experience because I have an entirely different face on that I have to get used to in, in terms of like how I'm subtly emoting and whatnot. <laughs> um, but I did that, but there, I haven't done like a live drag show since before the pandemic. So it was incredible. Jesse helped me and our other friend, Alana, we stoned an entire outfit and we made it all ourselves. And mm. I rehearsed for like three weeks to do like a three minute number, but I killed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Does so yeah, I just keep myself busy, really. You know, that's what is that, is has that to able keep for you. To see that? Um, yeah, I posted that video on my Instagram. I have a drag Instagram, which is Dee Dee Lacraze, D W E D W E Lacraze. But yeah, I posted that, and then the short film is going to be coming out uh, in the fall. Um, mm. It was meant to come out in the spring originally, but it's been um what's the word Postpone. that's the one push back a bit um and <laughs> that'll be coming out in the fall though and it stars kendall gender who was just on season two of canada's drag race so mm-hmm. it's pretty cool wow wow wow, wow. congratulations <laughs> yeah. to that and that's how you keep it going it's because you yeah. know then y- you use all of that energy of like ah, oh, instead of you know i'm not booking blah 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 instead of feeling like sulking you can sulk obviously yeah. but then you take yeah. that energy and then you put it on stuff that you actually like to do and or, writing we both write yeah so yeah exactly like i last year when i wasn't booking anything i was like okay you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna write a play so i did <laughs> yeah and then opportunities came from this new play that i wrote so stuff like nice. that mm-hmm. and then tell us about a time or how like when when was the learning point because i know for me personally and other actors are shared where it's like it wasn't always that easy even though that was a lesson it 
was something that you kind of had to grow out of because you do invest time in it and all of a sudden you you attach yourself to it and when you don't get it mm-hmm. now this it's personal you're like what the fuck I, I did whatever so it's like what was uh that time of your your acting journey like when you couldn't let it go how did you get over it there might be you know there are lessons in life that you have to learn over and over again and i feel like this is one of them you know mm like the letting go, it's like, yeah, you can learn to let go of like, oh, not booking a commercial, but then you get close to booking an MLW. And then it's like, that would be a bigger role, like an actual credit. And then you don't get that one. And then you have to learn how to deal with losing something bigger. And then for example, last year I was, I got a callback and another like two callbacks and I was shortlisted for this huge franchise. And it was like, the showrunner was very like it jesse is our girl kind of thing and we what kept going back and forth <laughs> it um has spaceships and aliens in it <laughs> what? um what? that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> fine 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 um and there's like it's been around for many many decades has oh, TV I can't shows. do it, but you know, yeah, <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, yeah. has TV shows and movies. Yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that was the one that like hurt a lot last year because it's like a huge thing, and it was so clear that they really, really liked me. But then in the end, at some point after a couple of weeks, they kind of started disappearing on my agent and then they were like okay mm-hmm. we you know checked in with them we we're like do you guys still want to move a- along with this and they're like oh we actually went with someone more famous <laughs> than you and i was like oh I but that i can't control they, yeah. they just ghost you guys for a second and it's yeah. like um yeah we no longer want them so we're not going to answer any of their emails <laughs> and that's how the industry is it's like if yeah. they want you you know but then if they don't want you then it's just silence (laughs) it's so hard to deal with that and that was one of those i was like okay here we go we're learning that lesson of get again of like how do you let go of something that was even bigger and more exciting and you were actually really close this time Mm. and the reason is completely out of your control like it's the whole you have to be famous to get certain roles but then how do you get the role if you're not (laughs) famous and it just keeps it's like that catch-22 so Uh, yeah, to me, it was just like a lot of, again, just being like, you know what, just focus all of this disappointment and whatever with other things that you like. So definitely focus on self-care and then reaching out to the, your community and your friends and all of that stuff. Because in the end, it's like, I know that I'm talented. I know that I can do a good job and I know what, what I'm capable of um, as an actor. So we've talked a lot with like that. our friends too about having a good agent because mm-hmm. like we are lucky we have the same agent which also right. helps us too because we understand how our agent communicates and all of that so yeah, like yeah. we can go to each other all the time um where and uh, like our agent is part of a smaller agency so like having a boutique agency is helpful because we actually have personal relationships with our agent whereas like i have friends who have had agents for like six years that they've never spoken to. And I'm like, what? Whoa. That's crazy. I talk to my agent yeah. all the time. Yeah. Today, when I didn't book that part, he was like giving me, you know, just not even like advice or feedback. It was just like, don't worry. Like you're on the right track. It's all about building these connections and relationships. And you're doing that. Cause this is the yeah. second time that this casting director has pointed out that she liked my work, even though I mm. didn't get the part. Mm. So having him to be able to give me that kind of feedback is so helpful because that immediately like makes me know that I'm doing a good job. And then yeah. I think, like, I don't know when it turned for me, but like 
um, there's always the days where you get down about it like today, but like I allow myself that time, but then, um, it's whenever I have to explain it to my mom is when like, I really realize that like, it's not personal because I get it now because she doesn't get it. And I try so hard to explain it to her. And so, and she just still doesn't quite get it. Like today she was like, Oh, again. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, again, that's how it works. And I know that every time I tell you again, you're getting like more sad than I am. So at least mm. I know that I'm dealing with it the way that I'm supposed to, because I have, I don't care anymore. And she yeah. does. Yeah. So I have her to compare myself to. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, <laughs> Cause she also sees, you know, like I don't compare myself to my friends anymore because that's just, there's no point in doing that. I'm yeah. not going out for the same roles that Jesse's going out for. Really? So you need to change your agent then. That's good. <laughs> so my mom like sees Jesse being so successful and then sees me like not doing as much. And it's like, you know, she's better oh. in that sense. Like she's starting well, to understand how it works. Thinking that, yeah. Know, and, yeah. <laughs> and she sees all the other stuff that I'm doing too. So now it's kind of turning to her defending me to like my brothers now. So she's mm -hmm. kind of getting on the understanding of it. Cause she's been around me working in this industry long enough that she kind of gets it a bit more. Whereas my brothers, they don't get it. They're just some heteros that work in hetero jobs, you know? <laughs> Damn those hetero jobs. It's like when uh, I'm talking I to... I mean, they make money, but... <laughs> they have a stable life. Yeah, uh, they're married they with kids. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. But it's the same with my friends when I tell them that I'm an actor and they're like, oh my God, can you be in the next Crazy Rich Asians? I'm like, uh, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like, let me just Let's, call that's someone. Easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, no, that's that's always an interesting dynamic when you're the one friend out of all of your friends that's doing something within the arts. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, I remember when I first started too, everybody was like, What are you what are you doing, man? Like it's we got faith in you, but you know, mm -hmm. eh, there's other stuff that you could be doing and all of a sudden Yeah, you know, you you land something that like and that's all it really takes too is, is is them just seeing you on on the screen and they're like oh shit exactly they're actually really doing but just it. because yeah. you're not on the screen doesn't mean you're not working and hustling like i have not had a day off in so long mm. but like just because you're not seeing me on the tv doesn't mean that i'm not working i'm auditioning all the time i'm writing i'm constantly coming up with different projects and stuff stoning mm. outfits yeah. <laughs> well with that now so what is rest like because you said you've been going for so long where it's like okay cool now what are your rest days like i have such a hard time relaxing <laughs> i feel like if i'm at home and i'm not doing anything i should be doing something you know and i yeah. think that's partially our training is because like when we were in school it was go 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 yeah. for like 12 hour days six days a week and so if I have time off, I feel like I should be hustling. I should be like sending my, you know, shit to somebody. I should be auditioning for something. But so I have a hard time just like allowing myself to relax mm -hmm. until I take an edible. <laughs> but I don't usually get high during the day because then it just the whole day gets away from me and I feel so tired and stuff. So like in the evening time, I can relax. Oh, those functioning weeks. Yeah. I hate yeah. them because it's like, yeah, I want to be high too, but. I got work and shit to do first. Mm -hmm. I can still work and stuff when I'm high, but it's after I come down from it, then I'm yeah. exhausted. Yeah. And then I'm like, is it 11 PM? And it's yeah. like four o'clock and I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, fair. What about you, Jesse? What's rest like for you? 
Oh, uh, I definitely have learned to build the rest and mm. how I like to rest. Now I have a better idea of work-life balance, but up until I was 28 and Jared's 20, turning 28. So you have time. Mm. Yeah. Jesse's yeah. literally the model out. for my life. I just follow what she does, but two years later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'll get there. Yeah. But yeah, by age 28, I was so burnt out. And that's when we graduated from our theater school and I literally I took six weeks off and I traveled with my mom and I just tried to like relax as much as I could but it was very hard to uh to to really let go and mm. I had to learn to do that so it's like a it's a habit so you have to learn how to decompress uh every day as opposed to doing it like okay I am on vacation now or like it's Saturday now I can relax it's more mm. like what can you do every day so Definitely. I have a meditation practice that I do now and I like to get some movement in and it doesn't have to be exercise. I sometimes just stretching for 15 to 20 minutes is huge, you know, and like we use our bodies a lot mm -hmm. for our job. And so sometimes it's like, you know, you didn't do anything, but you did not, you had one audition and that already like messed up, you know, a part of your back or your neck or something. And it's mm -hmm. like, giving myself that, like getting into my body and then meditation. Um, and then I am a huge TV watcher. So I watch a lot of TV films as well, but mostly TV is my thing. And now that we have a hundred million streaming services and a hundred seasons of drag race and a lot of drag race, I can just watch TV to my heart's content. So funny. Yeah. That's mostly what I do. And obviously, whenever I can, I try to be a, um, a little bit of social. Like, I'm very introverted, but I now I make a bigger effort to try to see my friends and family. And That's just what I was thinking. Stuff. I'm like such a, I live in this such gray area between extrovert and introvert. Mm. Everybody that meets me, they think that I am an extrovert because I'm a big personality. Like, I'm bubbly. I laugh a lot. But like, I love being alone <laughs> and I, I hate big crowds. I like, I love getting home and just being able to like sit to myself and just be to myself. And if I can, but I, I have a hard time saying no. <laughs> so like I often will do things when I just want to be at home doing nothing, but I also on the other end of that, like if I'm sitting at home doing nothing for too long, then I start to get like, okay, now I'm getting stir crazy. So I like swing back and forth on that pendulum so much. Yeah. And if I don't, if like now that, especially with COVID, like we haven't been in big crowds for so long, I, oh, yeah. no, <laughs> unless I'm there for a reason. Like when we went to the club recently for me to perform, that's fine. I'm there to do a thing and yeah. that's great. But I do not want to go just to go dancing. I, I used to put up with that before the pandemic. Like I'd be like, yeah, it's fine. I'll go dancing. I don't love it, but I'll do it now. No, I don't have time for shit that you I don't want to do. Solo <laughs> dance parties in the living room or in your kitchen yeah. is where it's at. You yeah, I would much out. rather just have a couple friends over and get shmammed on my couch and do whatever yeah. the fuck we want than like go to a club unless yeah, I'm performing and making money. I agree. <laughs> so I also I think... just much more social and extroverted in drag too. That's a oh, whole that's other true. thing. Mm. When I'm in drag, like I'll go around and talk to strangers. I don't care. Yeah. But when I'm not in drag, no. <laughs> so then is also it safe to say that, that you put a character on and like you, you yeah that's you. what like yeah i definitely think that my drag is it's um it's not like a separate persona but it's definitely an, an extension of of myself gotcha. it's those parts of me that live inside of me all the time but i don't access them in my everyday life gotcha. sometimes by choice sometimes because i don't need them yeah. um like i don't 
live very like I, I like to be masculine in my everyday life to an extent mm. and then there's femininity in me as well but when I'm in drag it's like I'm much more feminine and that lives within me and that just brings a whole different energy to me and how I behave as a but you're person also a lot more direct yeah <laughs> yeah when you're in drag you you feel like you don't need to be super polite True. Or apologetic. yeah because you live um, in the yeah it's drag yeah it's drag, <laughs> it's personal, so you just it's drag. Like, say shit and then yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's true fun. it's yeah. true <laughs> you mentioned that you guys went to the same theater schools in the same program so I'm curious to know a story about the other person an embarrassing story about the other person when they were in school oh god hmm <laughs> I feel like most of our embarrassing things probably happened together <laughs> Uh, there's always the stories of like when Jared and I knew we were going to be good friends. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good story. Hmm. I just, when I think of embarrassing stories, I just automatically think of Taylor. Cause she did a girl we went to school that did like she was just embarrassing all the time oh, <laughs> but that's goodness. her character but mm-hmm. hmm something embarrassing that either of us have been through I mean there was the time that I was not prepared for a project that was embarrassing for me but <laughs> what did we get up to I feel like that doesn't say there's a time that you touched my dick I was gonna say yeah <laughs> so there's there's two two main stories about our relationship. One, where we were doing Shakespeare monologues, and please tell uh, me that was Jared... where that dick didn't happen. Yeah, so we were doing monologue class. To be um, or not to be. <laughs> and I was just cradling the balls. Um, actually, it was uh, what's the name of that play? Brutus we and Cassius. Is that Cass- show? But is that Julius Caesar? Julius Caesar. That's the name of the play. I was playing Portia, who is married to Brutus. And so Jared was my Brutus and I was saying my monologue to Jared. And at some point, my voice teacher, was she came into, you know, my ear and she whispered, you know, you could use your other lips, the other lips <laughs> to talk to your husband, to try to convince him to do it, whatever you're trying to get him to do. And I was like, Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> I get that for sure. And so as I was talking to Jared, I like got on my knees and started to unbuckle his, <laughs> his belt and kind of sort of unzipped his pants. But I mostly just put my hand on his dick and I was like, I think I'm too in character. <laughs> like this and the rest was history. We've been best um, friends ever since. Jared never said anything in the class though. No. <laughs> best friends. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. But at the yeah. same time, that could have also went a very different way <laughs> yeah like if yeah. uh if it wasn't jared the, if it was a different person in my class they probably would have been like that was sexual assault that was very forward <laughs> yeah. but we were already like friends but yeah. like that was just what cemented our friendship yeah. really. and then we went on to sing baptize me together from yes. book of mormon and that yeah. was just like our whole friendship was basically just like sexual tension <laughs> yeah <laughs> because it'll never actually work <laughs> but the um what what, what do you mean it will never work <laughs> um. <laughs> um the but the semester before i don't know wait or was it our first semester do you remember when we do, were doing the like jumping movement class oh. thing and Jared was like throwing me in the air and then catching me. And wow. Jared was like, do you want to go a little bit higher this time? Well, was- the teacher told us to go higher. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I'm, I'm a little scared of heights, but okay, let's try it. And then we did. And then when I came back down, I was like, oh, 
Um, I think we went too far because my butthole just clenched. <laughs> so <laughs> the anus just tight. We went too far. <laughs> that was my uh, limit. See, this is our friendship. <laughs> and that's, uh, yeah. No, <laughs> we I'm were like, curious. oh, we're going to be good I'm friends. I'm curious to know how you believe the other person has grown. Oh, my oh, God. So much. <laughs> <laughs> How did you go from perfect to more perfect, though? <laughs> mm. That's fair. That's, That's a good fair. question. We're just going to start good. making out now. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, I mean, you started studio having never performed before. Mm-hmm. She was not wow. an actor at all. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. But, yeah, exactly. And I had been doing theater and acting for so long, whereas like she just decided to change up her career path and, and finally go into performance. And so she wow. did. And also when I met her, it was the second time that she was going into the program because the first time she had to leave and come back, it was a whole thing. So she was restarting into my class, which fate. Um, so, I mean, I've watched you literally go from a person who's like, I've watched you act for your first time to yeah. now being like, not only are you like a talented performer and you're successful and you're b- booking lots of things, but like, you know what the fuck you're doing. Like more than I do, <laughs> you know? And so yeah. I don't know. I've literally watched her go from somebody who's not been in this world at all to taking over the world. Yeah. Wow. Yay. Awesome. And what about, yeah. what about Jesse on Jared's behalf? Uh, I've seen Jared go from like, he was always again, like had a lot of experience as an actor as, and as a singer also doing drag. But just like seeing the growth in all of those aspects mm. was incredible and obviously still happens. And Jared continuously um, surprises me with how much he <laughs> grows and how much he deepens himself and, and like the vulnerability that he shows through his craft and all the different things that he does from singing to drag to acting. Um, but just Jared as a, a person has grown so much. I think I met you when you were like 24, 25. Something. 21. Oh my no. God. What? You were 21? You were BB? I think so. Yeah. 21 and 22. I'm pretty sure. We met in 2016. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So you, I felt like you were, you know, still figuring it out. Like definitely like, like the very uh, kind of got out of high school and have, have had work. So I'm not like nothing immature, but like still having that whole thing of like, not, not know, know how to adult yet kind of thing. Well, and then also just figuring myself out as how I fit in the world as a queer person in theater school. And like all of that was like, I had no idea who I was really. Yeah. Well, I did, but like, it wasn't stable enough, you know, to go into theater school, which made it difficult but then I, yeah. you know, I had to turn that around because I had to. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just seeing how much like when it, the teachers would give, give you feedback or criticism and how, how hard you would take that and how upset you would get. And now you are so much stronger and it's just like, wow, like, mm. that's growth right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just seeing how you are in the world with, you know, every, everyone in your family and all of those things. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. very special. Hmm. but also awesome. for everyone listening um jared's single yeah his number is- <laughs> <laughs> two five zero <laughs> so our because jesse i remember i think you mentioned you're not originally from vancouver no uh jared what about you are you a 
originally. No, I'm a BC boy, but I'm from, uh, well, I'm all over BC, really. Mm -hmm. I was born in Kamloops, and then I grew up between Terrace and Kelowna. So mostly in Kelowna, though. Describe then what what it is about, or why did you come to Vancouver? What is it about Vancouver that you thought this was the place to be? It's less homophobic. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it was mostly like I wanted to go to school. Um, and so I knew that studio was the place to go. And there wasn't really anything like that in Kelowna. And I just run out of opportunities in Kelowna. It's like even yeah. before I was considering school, like I, I was working at the same theater doing lots of shows um, for from like 2010 to 2016. So for like six years, um, which I loved doing. But I just was like, I'm not really growing anymore. And I've kind of plateaued. And so I was like, now I need to get professional training. Like I took some time out of high school to work and to explore who I wanted to be as an artist. And then I was like, okay, I've done that. I'm pretty secure of that part. Now I need to get the professional training. So I wanted to come to Vancouver and do that. And then I just was like, there's, I'm never going to move back to Kelowna because there's just nothing there for me. Like if I went back for, for an opportunity, that would be great. Um, But like, there's just nothing there as far as theater that I want to be doing and and the work that I want to be creating the type of people that I want to be around that's not there and I I mean I have like some family and some friends in Kelowna but like even when I was there beforehand I didn't like my best friend and I in Kelowna we were like we wouldn't like regularly hang out with a lot of other people and that's just kind of the way that Kelowna is uh whereas now like having gone through theater school like I made so many more friends that were more like-minded and that understood me and what I do and everything. And so it's just, I would never leave Vancouver. And if I did, it would be to go somewhere. And we'll be right back after this short message. But in the meantime, don't forget to connect with us on our Instagram at playon2013 and tell us what you think about the show. Do you like mangoes? (laughs) Of course you do. And if you don't, well, I'm sure there's a high chance you might know someone who does. Well, the Two Degrees podcast is sponsored by Peeled Fruit. No, not just random fruit that's been peeled, but the children's book about a mother's love language of peeling mango for her baby. Available for delivery on bookbaby.com, bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, and Amazon, just to name a few of the retailers. It even ships worldwide. Check out at peeled fruit book on instagram for more information on how to get your copy of this heartwarming story peeled fruit illustrated by rhoda domingo now back to the show um semi-high thought because i was thinking <laughs> about this before too and jesse mentioned it where it was like especially when you were you started off in your 21 you're you're trying to figure out how to adult and stuff how crazy is it that nobody knows what the fuck adulting is oh my gosh and it's like i had i had that first thought um where it was like yeah it's crazy that none of my friends really know what's going on and how and kind of how to adult and then it just put me in perspective earlier on this week where it was like now i finally get a particular part of my parents that I didn't really understand before because they oh, didn't yeah. know what the fuck was going on either. Mm-hmm. Oh like, yeah. What was Abby, the like? What was it you... like then with that? Where 
um, coming to that realization for you guys where it's like, this is normal. Nobody knows what the fuck's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I, I don't know about you guys, but I had that the age like in my head of like, oh, when I'm this age, I'm going to be an adult kind of thing. Did you have that, Javi? Yeah. yeah. Um, what was your age? I want to say when I was growing up, all I know is it, it wasn't specifically the age I knew I was going to be an adult, but I was going to have adult things. When I was mm. in my teens, I thought by the time I was 25, I was going to have a stable job, a house, and two kids. <gasps> two kids? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I thought that I would have been married to a woman <laughs> with children there's by 27. Well, there's three days left until I'm 28. You <laughs> want to get things going? <laughs> but yeah I mean and I I spent three years writing a play about my mom's life like her childhood and then her subsequent adulthood and how that was affected by her childhood and so just doing that like opened my eyes up so much more to who my mom is as a person and why she's the way she is and why I'm the way that I am Mm -hmm. because holy shit like I just got to see her entire like I always knew about her life and everything that's happened in her life but like I got to take actual court documents and interviews that were verbatim and read them and write a play about it and dissect her brain at any opportunity that I, as I was writing so I really got to know her as a person and as a as a person outside of being my mom you know mm-hmm. and that was like for me which made me realize that like parents and adults are just people and we're all just people <laughs> like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. To me, it was a, when I'm 28, I'm going to be an adult and Mm. the marriage and kids thing is going to be at 32. For some reason, that was like the age. (laughs) And then when I got to 29, it wasn't 30, it was 29 because that's when my mom had me. That's when I went, what the fuck? Ah. She had two kids by this point. (laughs) She was already like- And a house probably. Yeah, like she had been married to my dad for a couple of years. She had had my sister and I and my mom, um, her first pregnancy, she lost the child. So I was like, at this point, I would have been like pregnant three times if I was her and like had two kids under the age of five and, you know, trying to like start a career because at that point, my mom was uh, not just but like, you know, in her head, she's like, I'm just a housewife, you know, kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. and so that really mind fucked me to think at 29 that I would be having my second child. And then after the child being like, okay, now I'm going to start working and I'm going to be a career woman. Like that's wild. Well, and then wild. seeing those people's lives change, like, like uh, my parents did not stay together. And then my mom had another boyfriend for 10 years. That was my stepdad and they didn't stay together. And now my mom is a single woman who's almost 60 and like, she's, kind of figuring out what that's going to look like for her. And I'm like, she's going through the exact same shit that I'm going through, man. And she's much older than me, you know? And then you lost your father and then your mom was dating and then your mom just broke up with this person because she deserves better at her age. And it's like, we're all, yeah. That's exactly. (laughs) And, And for sure, I will say that going to therapy was the one thing that really helped me not necessarily like forgive my mom because she obviously she always just did the best that she could where she mm-hmm. was at, but we all have our childhood traumas and therapy was definitely the thing where I was able to see her for who she is. And sometimes um, her anxiety or like whatever other mental health stuff that she might be going through. I can wow. see that as opposed to seeing my mom 
triggering me and doing things on purpose to annoy me kind of thing. It's like, oh, that's just my mom and she never went to therapy. So sometimes her mental health gets the best of her. And now she's like projecting that onto me. And it's like so much easier to handle it now. It's so, yeah. And it's very interesting to see like, I've experienced the exact same thing with my mom. Like I completely understand her mental health and I think she has a good understanding of mine. And I have with other brothers who just haven't really dealt with any of that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and so they, and they, you know, they don't know her as well as I do in terms like that because I wrote the play and everything. And so now it's like, it's, I can see the way that like they see her versus the way that I see her and like how much more I understand her. And it's like, I feel like I'm actually pretty blessed to have that, which wow. is like, I just have such a, such more of a personal relationship and a friendship with my mom now, which is so special. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. But yeah, to wrap that thought up, <laughs> like it's it's just it's fascinating where there's no there's no formula in a sense where looking at school and the way school is structured, it's like okay, cool. If you want to get a master's in this you study this 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 and then you get your master's where it's like in adulting it's like you don't there's no checklist of you've got to get this 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 and yeah it's just something that that is is i'm only now coming to realize um but jesse you mentioned uh interesting point of therapy um for the both of you what was it like understanding therapy was necessary especially as an artist yeah for me it was towards the end of theater school where when we were talking about you know how do you relax kind of thing it I became the person where to decompress I started having a glass of wine when I would come home Mm. and it got to a point where I was doing that every day and then at some point I felt like I couldn't decompress anymore without my one glass of wine. And that's when I realized like not, you know, it's like an alcoholic behavior. I'm not an alcoholic. I don't need it to function, but I was like, I should be able to sit by myself at home Mm. without needing the alcohol to feel better. And that's when I was like, also, because then I started noticing by the time I was like 28, that there were a lot of patterns that I was repeating in my life, including being dating people that were not healthy for me, being in dysfunctional relationships, not, and being like a huge people pleaser and not being able to use my voice to like ask for what I needed and what I wanted and set boundaries and all those things. Like none of that. I, I couldn't do any of that by the, by then. And I couldn't understand why, like logically I could see the things that I should be doing. You know, I should eat healthy. I should exercise. I should, tell people that they're being disrespectful, you know, kind of thing. But I literally, I couldn't. And I just Mm -hmm. kept seeing myself repeating all these patterns and I didn't understand why I was doing it. And that's when I was like, oh, I think I need therapy because then my, I dealt with depression a lot and I could feel like every time the wave of depression would come back, it would be worse Mm -hmm. and trigger warning to people who don't like to hear about things about um, depression. But yeah, there was a point um, when I was too overwhelmed in school that I resorted to my self-harming coping mechanism. And that's when I was like, oh, it's back. It hasn't, I haven't done this in literally five years. And I have no idea why self-harming is the only thing that makes me feel better. And I was like, okay, time for therapy. I don't think I can go on like this anymore. I mean, I can, but it's very destructive. Yeah. Yeah. 
But you knew that though. And that was a, that was a big step from the last time mm-hmm. that that was happening. Cause you also mm-hmm. came and told me mm-hmm. what you'd never done yeah. and like right away too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. wow. you knew what you needed to do, which is amazing. And that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> Cause I, I, yeah, I went to therapy um, a couple years ago for like a couple months um, because it was like, I was in a really toxic friendship and it was like, just draining me but it was really just a mirror for like so much of my life and and how like other relationships have been the same way so I finally went to therapy and I did it for like I was continuing to do it but then my therapist had to take a leave of absence so I and I didn't get her back and I just never went back because I was like oh god I don't want to start over again Um, and I also just kind of processed the rest of that situation myself and then now, like I, I can see like how beneficial it is and, and the parts that did really help me. And I know that I need to get back to it. Um, but like, I just can't afford it. <laughs> That's all there is to it really. And uh, I also like the therapist that I had, I really felt like I was being given a lot of homework, which I don't work well in that way. Um, and she was like, not necessarily like, like I mean, I, I love to be get, given tangible things to do but it just was like, there wasn't a lot of tangible things from it. And then I would have to like create lists and shit like that. And it just like, none of that felt like it was really helpful. And every time I would start, she'd always be like, okay, how are we feeling today? And on a one through 10. And I'm like, bitch, I just woke up. Like, I don't know. (laughs) And also like, I felt like every week I was like, oh my God, I said seven last week. I have to be better or worse than a seven. Like, you know, so it just, it felt much like more like a chore than it did. Like it was being beneficial for me. So it was interesting. And I think that just meant I just needed a different therapist because I definitely could start to see the benefits of it when I was like accessing my childhood and figuring out where things stem from. Like, because I'm a very structured person. And if you can tell me why my brain's doing the stupid things that it's doing, love that. I can fix it that way. (laughs) Like if I get instructions, you know, yeah. You know, I'm not great at building Ikea furniture, but I can do that. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, it's, it's and- so important to get a therapist that gets you. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I also would really like to have a queer therapist. I think she might have been a lesbian, but <laughs> I'm not, I wasn't sure. Right. But I would love to have a gay man that mm. like just really understands like what yeah. I go through. Yeah. So yeah, that's I- just something I need to do. And I just haven't done it. Yeah. <laughs> And I tell people, I think therapy is important for everyone, but especially if you're an artist, because we have to access so much of our emotional uh, damage, <laughs> emotional yeah. damage. We have, <laughs> we have so much, we have to put, you know, our heart and soul so much into everything that we do yeah. that it can be, yeah, it can feel unsafe, you know? And, and I think that therapy is the one thing that is if you want to be not necessarily a better um, artist, because I think that's, you know, very relative, but an artist, you know, that you will be able to do it consistently, do it for a long career, do it in a way that is healthy and safe for you, then definitely therapy is very helpful. And I think for actors specifically, I think that if you want to be better at your craft, you have to know yourself better so yeah, it doesn't you can't expect to get to know yourself through like yeah. the roles you're doing in that to exactly. be a therapy like you no, can't no, no. use acting as therapy it can be therapeutic but it's not therapy and the more you know yourself whether you use therapy or not but the more you know yourself the better you can act and access other parts of your personality and choose what you want to infuse your your character with as opposed to just like 
reacting in a way that, you know, and just being, I don't, I'm not criticism to uh, method acting, sorry, method actors out there. But yeah, I feel like it can be very unsafe if you just go into, you know, full method acting. Like you can see people that do that, you know, like Lady Gaga and stuff that she just talks about how uh, unwell she is for the, all the time when she's doing certain roles. And it's just like, yeah, do you want to do that to yourself? I don't think it's sustainable. Gaga has a lot of money to be able to use therapy and, and body workers and all these things to try to like, uh, yeah, make her feel better after all of that she puts in. And she has the ability to put in her contract that she needs a therapist Mm -hmm. on set to be there with her in case she feels like, you know, she's losing it, but it's, I feel like, you know, for all of us, we can't have a therapist on set on well, stage respect, respect just in case respectfully with her is like even though she's been an artist for a long time she's only been an actor for a couple of years yeah. so it's like yeah. she still has to also go on this journey of realizing that herself that it's a different craft mm-hmm. she just thinks it's art is art is art and it's like fair if that's how you feel but yeah you definitely need to go through and kind of like the rejection talk that we were on earlier where it's like you kind of have to do it every day and learn um relearn it every experience and Mm -hmm. she only has what two three acting credits to her name so it's like she hasn't had that much practice with it so hopefully you Mm -hmm. know she she steps out of that but yeah yeah and if you like like we know people that uh i feel like if you don't know yourself well enough and you're trying to like represent something or or you have a message that you want to put out there. I don't know if you know that I'm a person that I'm thinking of, uh, but it's just like, you're mad at the world because you're not getting what you feel like you deserve uh, because you don't know yourself well enough. Like if you're exploring your identity still, but you expect that you should get to do certain things because of who you are, like that's just an entitlement that like just mm-hmm. just never serve you in this industry. And then when you finally get the opportunities that you want, like you haven't been through the things you need to have gone through in order to like actually do it justice. Yeah. So it's, it's such a tricky situation, especially when you're training to be an actor, like you have to be so sure of yourself. And that's why I'm so grateful that I like had time after I went out of like high school to go through life a bit before, because you need life experiences in order to be an actor. <laughs> like, of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah with that it's like there's this quote that kind of just stays with me and resonates with me and it's why I do all the randomness that I do but it's like actors are only as good as their experiences so Mm. with that like experience life do life yeah or worrying about kill somebody Sometimes you just gotta just do for it. the project. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Let's shoot some heroin right now. <laughs> right now. But like, you no. have to be able to like. Obviously, I've never killed somebody, but like, you mm-hmm. have to know what that feels like, and mm-hmm. you have to pull that from something else that you know that could yeah. feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. or you just kill somebody, and then yeah, just you know. Just <laughs> With that, too, like the disclaimer for people that are listening: No, don't kill. <laughs> you don't Please. have to. But like, when it comes to experience. Um, experience comes in many forms. So as simple as even watching somebody die on screen and understanding Mm -hmm. and empathizing with what's happening on the screen, as opposed to just watching it as sheer entertainment is still a type of experience. So it's Mm -hmm. like, read a book, best place to, you know, really experience things in a different way as well. 
Um, well, and also it's like, you've probably lost a dog in your lifetime or something like that. You can take that experience and put that in it. Like it's literally, it's the same thing. It's, it's really the same thing. That's how uh, I feel about it. <laughs> so, so through, through exploring artistry and then you guys developing um, the bond that you guys did. And the reason why I, I was happy to have the both of you is because you guys decided to also start a podcast and base it around any being inebriated, which is why. I was yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> up too. So tell me about the podcast experience. Yeah, it started, I started it by myself at first um, because like whenever I would get high, I would always send these guys really great voice notes and it just became like a thing where they were like, we, you just need to like put these somewhere. And I started like saving my voice notes and shit. And then I was like, maybe I should just host a podcast because I'm like, I'm the most comfortable and the most funny and the most relaxed when I'm high. And I was like, and I don't really enjoy like interviews and stuff like that when like, like have forced conversation hate it so if but when i'm high we're just shooting the shit and so i was like i guess i should start doing that and so i started interviewing um artists and different people of different walks of life and just chatting with them really and we had segments and stuff like that um it was very structured it was lots of fun and they didn't have to be high or anything but like i was um sure. and then by like episode 12 i was just getting burnt out because i was doing it all by myself mm -hmm. um and like it's a lot of energy to be the only person you know to chat chatting one-on-one -on -one. so it takes a lot of energy from you and then all the editing and all that well and also because you were doing one episode a week yeah so i just was like i wanted to i knew that i wanted to restructure it a little bit in a way that would be more fun um, and so I had invited Jesse to become my co-host, I think in episode 12, I think. Nice. And then from that point on, we did more like we had guests, but we also did episodes where we just did topics where we just like hung out and we're ourselves. Yeah. Um, and Jesse would drink sometimes, um, and spill it on herself. <laughs> the spill was once, <laughs> but the drink was every yeah. time. <laughs> so we got to 25 episodes and I think like, it was always like, a, I kind of always knew that it was a pandemic project. Like I had hosted a podcast before that with a different friend for 40 something episodes and it was lots of fun. Um, but once life started to pick up again and we started getting busy and it started getting more difficult for us to get together and find a guest and everything, um, we decided that we would just go to 25 and wrap it up. So it was short and sweet and I'm super proud of every episode. Mm -hmm. So it's still available. Everywhere. And it's still everywhere. Yeah. 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 So you can still listen to it. It's called mm -hmm. I've been thinking. <laughs> What's your favorite high moment on the podcast? Um, <laughs> well, there was a lot, but the yeah. first one that comes to mind is, um, I can't remember which episode it was, but Jesse was wearing these avocado <laughs> earrings. That one too. <laughs> Jesse was wearing these avocado <laughs> earrings and the way that we would end every episode, we would say THC you later. Um, and this one time we were like, we were whispering it. Was it our ASMR episode or something? I don't know. No, it's we were... the Brazil one. That's why I was oh. wearing avocado earrings. And we were just like whispering it. And then she like leaned down and her avocado earrings hit the um, glass that was sitting next to us. And it just went dong dong. And it was perfectly in beat and <laughs> yeah. in key with our outro. It was so funny. Was so funny. Um, We've, but we had a lot there of so many chaos on that show. We lost our entire footage so many times. So many times. <laughs> or the audio completely yeah. so many times. Yeah. 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 I got in drag for it twice too. And we most of this was done in the summertime 
in the yeah. fucking heat waves. Yeah. So we were like recording in my bedroom, which was like 40 degrees, just oh, wow. sweating. And we couldn't yeah. have fans on or anything because we had the mic. I think some of my favorite segments was the one that we kind of sort of came up with later because there is a there's a Chinese liquor, kind of like a vodka, Chinese <laughs> vodka that has my last name. It's called Gao Liang, so Liang, and we call it Liang juice. It tastes awful. It tastes like you're siphoning gasoline straight from a car and just drinking wow. it. And it's so nasty, but then the game would be like, you either have to answer these really intense questions that are either embarrassing or, or just like, yeah, super or... personal or awful, or you have to take a shot. And some of the questions were things like, if you had to, you know, like punch me in the face, or like spit in Javi's face, who would you pick? And you have to pick or you have to take a shot. And it's like, oh, I do questions like, which person in our graduating class do you think should not have graduated? Like they yeah. were really intense. Yeah. <laughs> Where did we you also had a couple like, we would oh, just make them up. up. Yeah, we yeah. would make them intense ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> it would be like, Jared, I dare you to open your photo album right now and show me what's in, what's like yeah. the first three photos. Yeah. <laughs> and probably one of them's are like nudes. Yeah, so. <laughs> it was a good time. We also like played, we just played lots of games and stuff. Mm-hmm. We had a couple episodes where we were like sponsored. Um, we had this Brazilian uh, company that imports like Brazilian foods into Vancouver. Yeah. They sponsored us for an episode. We did a whole episode of Brazil and Jesse got to share all her culture with me and we like did blindfold taste tests and stuff and it was super fun um I was in drag for two of them we did uh I had like some musicians and stuff on that I'm like I'm friends with but like I'm super like I am in love with their art so we'd have them on and we had one friend play live for us gosh yes tail yeah we had uh Mason Temple from Ginny and Georgia on with us because he's a pal of ours Mm -hmm. it was a good time and and I miss it sometimes like I'm like I miss having that like weekly little outlet um and a reason to get together but it is a lot of work um but I'm like how can I get that same feeling still in my life like what can I be doing to get that same feeling so we made a music video (laughs) oh yeah Everyone, um, tune into the EP lessons. Yeah, I, that's another thing that I did in my time when I'm not working is I made an EP and I just released three songs and a music wow. video and yeah, Jesse's yeah. in it. Yeah, I'm one of the dancers. <laughs> yeah. Dream come time. true. <laughs> Do you have dance background then as well, Jesse? I sure don't. I <laughs> love to dance. I like to fair. do TikTok challenges. <laughs> that's fair. No. So it's like with that then, um, with your art, where what other things do you branch off into? So it's like, Jesse, you said you started writing. Um, are mm-hmm. you guys also in the world of directing as well or producing or editing? We hope to be soon. We are trying. <laughs> we- um, yeah, so Jared and I both wrote plays and we had both been selected for the four play festival at Studio 58 in 2020. And then our oh. shows got canceled like a week before they opened because of the Panini. But yeah, so like Jared and I both have written, I've written like two plays, I think now, but Jared has more for sure. And other projects like web series, and <laughs> we like to make skits and sketches sometimes together. Um, and then aside from that, like acting, and then I now in the last couple of years have been teaching workshops, like business workshops to actors. So next month, I'm actually with Real Wheels. I'm teaching one day there, but I'm news to me (laughs) i probably forgot about it um, that's why you don't know (laughs) um yeah but i i taught at studio 58 a business workshop 
and it's essentially just like all the the businessy side of things you know like headshots and demo reels and how to pitch to an agent and how to mm. yeah email them and what to put on your resume yeah. those kinds of informations that we you know usually learn in school and then i'm doing that with real wheels next month as well it's just one class but that's another huge passion of mine i love being able to coach and teach people and like it doesn't happen a lot because i've been working so much as an actor which is you know that it's like it's a blessing i'm too busy to focus on my entrepreneurial side <laughs> yeah it's a good problem to have but whenever anyone wants you know any advice or coaching or anything like that i'm more than happy to help people with their auditions or with their monologues i do mm. it just like for fun because it's fun for me yeah. but if i you know if there's anyone who also like wants to hire me for their services i'm more than happy to do that i have an etsy shop uh called acting expanded with that's a brand it's acting expanded and so my etsy shop has a bunch of merch on there that i designed so it's like stuff like that that i like cool. to to do um and then jared and i are hoping fingers crossed that we're gonna direct a show next year or maybe later yeah. this year but for sure if not yeah. this year maybe next year uh we pitched to be co-directors of a studio 58 project and we're kind of waiting to talk Ooh. to people and try to get that done they've told us so, everything but no yeah so just like, we're waiting on a few more things to fall into place and da, 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 da. we're gonna talk with you soon so we're just waiting to find out if we can do it or not yeah yeah mm -hmm. i feel like we that's the thing about being an artist uh, that went through studio it's like you kind of put your finger in every single mm -hmm. pie and you kind of see if that's something that you like yeah um, well the main thing that i'm doing outside of like writing and acting and stuff is front of house work because mm -hmm. I was doing that when I was a student you have to do front of house work and then they hired me as the front of house manager after I graduated and mm -hmm. then we and Jesse as well um and then I've been doing that ever since but I also work at <laughs> I work at like five different theaters right now doing front of house um but it's a good like it's a way to keep within the industry and i'm still it's yeah. like a joe job but it's in the industry and through that like i make so many connections with so many different important people mm. i've already been offered an upgrade kind of at my current job like it's like kind of like the department another department poached me you could say i don't know how you describe <laughs> it but basically i got a better job <laughs> um and i love doing that work and and i always tell the students that i have to manage at stu 58 is that like doing this kind of work, it might feel boring and might not feel important, but like I'm making so many connections and getting so many things out of this. And like, I enjoy doing it. It's a Joe job that I don't hate. Yeah. <laughs> and then just doing drag and, and my music and, and writing. And what else do I do? That's a good question. I feel like we do so much stuff that it's hard to keep track, you know, like yeah, how many yeah. different hats do you wear? Pretty much all of them. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are both of you um, equity or not yet? No. No, I haven't. I don't have enough credits, I don't think. But like also the other huge thing that is very annoying, I'm not part of equity or UBCP because they don't let non-Canadian, non-permanent residents in. Oh, so wow. I am barred from joining <laughs> UBCP. I think with equity, they've changed that rule, but that's a recent thing. Like, oh, gotcha. I think they've only started letting non-PR people into equity in the last year or two. Yeah. So, but now that like, doesn't really matter. I don't have that many credits anyway in but, theater. But, I have so enough credits for UBCP, but. <gasps> I just remembered I'm also teaching this summer. <laughs> oh yeah, Jared's teaching. Uh, you so also did stage management at some point. Oh, yeah, so like, yeah, so many things. <laughs> 
Anyways, um, go on. <laughs> so not being a permanent resident then, like what's the industry or how has the industry been like for you then? So you're not part of UBCP, but you're actor then I'm assuming. Uh, no, I'm not part of any unions oh, because wow. they don't allow non-Canadians or non-PR mm-hmm. people to join. Um, so I have a Canadian work, work permit and I, so I live and work in Vancouver. And if I were ever to work in the States, I would need like that O-1 visa or yeah. whatever that visa that they have in the States. And it's not been an issue up until very recently. So not, I'm, I'm going to call them out because they, they actually do do that. Um, Hallmark and mm. a Lifetime now have, they're producing movies that are like, they call, always call, call themselves like low budget movies because they're like under, I don't, I don't know, like a million or $5 million um, yeah. budget. So now they require people to have a CAVCO number. I don't know what that is, but it's mm. like a number that you need to have to work for Lifetime and hallmark if you're not canadian or non-pr but you can't have that if you don't aren't either of those things so this is the first time that the industry has barred me from auditioning for them in canada because i have a work permit so i am allowed to work in canada wherever i'm at Mm -hmm. i just need to book things kind of thing Um, and so yeah if there's anything that i book and it's a a union or an equity kind of thing then i just pay my permit which gets expensive and yeah. UBCP has been very cruel to me a couple of times yeah. in the last couple so, of years. Yeah, because like you, so, then yeah. you were paying for your permit then for for maid. Oh my gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And they charged, I think they charged me five, six hundred dollars every week that I worked. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Um. So then yeah, I guess rent. what's the, what's the <laughs> yeah yeah like that's I'm 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 shocked and I've I've never encountered an actor who's doing that because you know the the legal aspect of not having paperwork for to thing but but you have a work permit so it's like you can still do these projects and yeah that's just so confusing so I guess is there anything that you're doing about it like are you talking with some customs or who do you talk to to fix this or yeah so I did my permit residency applications, kind of like applying for your green card in the States. So I did my PR application last year and it was usually that application takes about 18 months, maybe 24 wow. months to process, which is normal for the self-employed category because I'm an artist. However, with unless a, you were white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless you're part of the Commonwealth, but with the pandemic, uh, things have been slowing down at the um, IRCC, so the immigration um, offices here. And now it's saying that it will take 36 to 41 months. That means three years and something. So my lawyer is like, uh, we're just going to wait until 2024 until you have your PR. And up until then, like you just need to keep getting new work permits, okay. which, you know, it's just like it's one of those it's just bad timing. Cause if I had applied maybe a year before I would have gotten it in a year and a half, but because of what's going on, it's just like, everything is delayed. And I think like, because I've applied for my PR, I can definitely be part of equity. And I think UBCP, they request a specific type of document Mm -hmm. that you only get once you've already applied for your PR, but it can't just be like you applied. It has to be like you applied 
and the government says we're giving it to you. And then that's when you can join UBCP. So I'm not going to get that letter for another year or two. That's why I still haven't joined UBCP. And that's just like what they do to the the whole thing about the, why they don't let PR or Canadians or non-Canadians to join is because they there's a lot of Americans here. So what they're trying to do is to try to bar non-Canadians, so mostly Americans, but obviously people from you know Australia or the UK and whatnot, other countries that have the working holiday visa, they're trying to bar these people from taking Canadian jobs. And I'm putting air quotes because it's not Canadian jobs. It's yeah. just like there's... It's actors, you know, and we already don't make a lot of money. So I don't understand them trying to protect these Canadian jobs. Um, I think that if they could. I'm make- Canadian and I ain't got no yeah. jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should be making. There's no capital. jobs anyways. <laughs> like if they're trying to protect the crew and producers and directors. I understand. But with actors, I feel like it's such a. Yeah. A hard. Yeah, it's difficult. But that's their excuses that they're trying to make it so that only people that are serious about becoming Canadians are allowed to join the union. And Hello, you're the most serious there is. <laughs> yeah, I've been here for yeah. 15 years. Please let me in. You Please know? give her the work. <laughs> I'm <yeah>. offering mine. <laughs> and like you're you getting work is like as a non-Canadian is not me as a Canadian not getting work. You know, it's not related yeah. Yeah. at all. Yeah, I agree. But I, I UBCP is founded on these rules and founded even, on bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. Even when you sorry, UBCP. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but when i call them and i ask them they don't really have answers they're just like yeah. yeah that's just how the rules are it's like okay well you know that oh, your rules suck damn. and they're like yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh well yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. to think of how much money you could have been saving over the last few years yeah. having not been paying those yeah, every time i do my taxes i know how much i pay <laughs> <laughs> it's thousands of dollars yeah oh my goodness damn yeah well that's that's i i hope I wish you a speedy process for this because, yeah, those permits are a biatch. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, other than that, what's what's the most recent high thought you guys have had and shared and or a drunk thought for you, Jesse? Mm. Oh, my God. I should look at my notes. Cher <laughs> yeah. probably has notes on Or your, like, the voice notes that I send y'all. Like, what's the most recent? Or what's the fun one that I've sent you guys? Oh, <laughs> about the time? <laughs> that i was um made a rough was that the time that i just said oh my god and then i just didn't say anything for like a good 20 seconds (laughs) i was like super super high like the first time i got these edibles that i take now i didn't realize how strong they were and i was just like zooted and i think i was making i don't know something that had butter in it (laughs) and i had put the whatever food it was in the uh, microwave and I was telling them that what I was making I think it was when I made bagels and I cut them up and put butter on them like a psychopath and then I I was just like guys I was doing this and I opened up the microwave and I just went oh my god and I didn't say anything for like a good 10-20 seconds and it was because for some reason I put the lid of the butter into the microwave with the food so it melted the lid of the butter everywhere and I was like just just shocked Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Um, but like a good high thought. Um, I once wrote an entire like <laughs> like poem. I don't know a, a short story about being a cloud. <laughs> 
it was actually really good. I, I, I found it recently and I don't know where it is now, but it was, it, I, see, that's why one of the reasons I started that podcast, because I'm just so creative and hilarious when I'm high. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's so funny. That's, and I think that's a, a great note to end on. <laughs> but uh, now I'm, I'm trying to find more guests to smoke up with as well. And um, I have another guest who came and she actually joined me in my truck. Oh, um, amazing. And there's just a cloud and it's just, <laughs> the, the video doesn't even matter because it's just cloud but like uh, that scene no, from yeah. scooby-doo <laughs> oh, man. Um, other than that well, yeah again thank thank y'all for coming out and for being patient as i was trying to log in and don't worry we were running yeah, late it's so we here <laughs> i'm brazilian i'm always late yeah so this went meanwhile i was texting her like four hours before we needed to be here okay what's the plan for today because that's oh me goodness. i'm a very structured person and she's like Fair. i'm brazilian <laughs> yeah. and i'm you know my guests are from mexico so we're, i was like we're definitely gonna be a little bit late <laughs> we're latinos <laughs> well um thanks happy this was so fun yeah it was nice because i missed doing this on our podcast so yeah. it felt like we got to do that again <laughs> um do you have you have like more drag stuff going on jared um, yeah, probably. I My drag Instagram is Didi Lecraze, D-E-E-D-E-E-L-A-C-R-A-Z-E. -E -E -E. yeah. And then my regular page is Hey, It's Jared, J-A-R-R-E-D. Yeah. Um, and that's where I post most of my things I'm doing is on my Instagram. Listen to yeah. lessons, everyone. Oh, yeah. And stream my EP lessons. It's available everywhere. Yeah. Apple Music, Spotify, whatever you listen to. Jared Stephen Meek. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Well, yeah. Um, if you guys are board later on next week grab a drink smoke in person i don't know yeah let's, are you back make... in canada already yes this is my Yay. first episode back in vancouver nice Ooh. how was san francisco Learn a very interesting learning experience oh, yeah. oh okay because it was it was um it was a lot of waiting because i just wanted to get back to vancouver and, and start getting back to work and stuff but then it's like I still had a few meetings that I had to do down there. And I was just like, okay, I just got to get through the day, just day at a time, day at a time. And it, yeah. even though I knew like patience was already a, a learning lesson with this whole lifestyle where that extra bit of patience where it's like you, even though you're in a vehicle and you can go wherever, it's like, nope, you can't go anywhere yet. So it just taught me to just really be still and just live in that day and yeah day at a time that was like the, the big lesson from that but other than that san francisco was san francisco it's it's always a fun time <laughs> it's um i was surprised at how windy it was i don't remember it being that windy so that was also another I, mean, I guess it's surrounded by ocean well, like lots of wind comes there's out. There's so the many ocean. hills, though. There's so many hills, and, True. and the thought that I had was like, "How windy is Chicago?" Because if that's the windy city, mm. what the hell? Because <laughs> it was windy as fuck. Damn. Yeah, I love but, San Francisco. Uh, yeah, again, um, check them out. I'll put their socials and everything in the descriptions. Follow them on Instagram. Yeah. Do you have anything and... coming up? Uh. I can't say my, my agent said you can't tell people. So what I can say is I'm in a new series that everyone will get to watch soon. <laughs> That's Exciting. all I can say. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, people should watch Made because both Javi and I are in it. Yeah. <laughs> We're obviously the reason why Margaret's getting all of those awards. Like it's, mm. oh my it's the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if it but, weren't like, for our characters <laughs> oh of course oh my god so many people like were with the scenes that i had they're like you're a dick it's like, <laughs> thanks <laughs> thanks i i guess i'll i'll accept that as a compliment for my acting now yeah. i have to go watch the whole thing not just jesse's scenes <laughs> <laughs> but that's the best like all of my friends that i grew up with so my friends from brazil they were like Wow, I hated you. Like, oh, thanks. I did my job then. <laughs> Legit. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But everybody, again, thank y'all for tuning in. The Play On Foundation presents the Two Degrees podcast. Um, check out Play On Foundation, www.letsplayon.org for more information on how to join the fight to be part of neurological research in brain aneurysm development and prevention. I'm surprised I got that considering I'm a little high. Just that whole blurb. But <laughs> thank y'all for coming you out. Did well. And Teo. Thank y'all for tuning in. Artwork by Monique Lizardo. Music by Kate Cole. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, subscribe, share, tag us, whatever all the fun things people do when they like something. But most importantly, check out www.letsplayon.org for the Play On Foundation and lend your voice in bringing awareness to the neurological research for brain aneurysm detection and prevention. My name's Chavi. See you next time on the Two Degrees Podcast.